Good evening, and welcome back to another playoff edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Enjoying the uh, the little bit of the post playoff basking in the in the victory, or yeah, that was really oddly worded. But enjoying <laughs> enjoying coming off the win. Let's just go that. Well, I think we're going to talk a little bit about your post game piece, and I'm I'm glad you put it that way. Because, uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying this week, and it's fun looking ahead to the quarterfinals. Um, Jamie was in the quarterfinals for, again, like, I don't know, what what was it, four times in five years or something? I mean, something it's a like lot that. lately. Yeah. Um, on a good, in, in a good tra- trajectory. Uh, they beat VMI 31-24 this week, and they will host the University of North Dakota, the other school, the Fighting Hawks, not the Bison, um, this Sunday at 6 p.m. at Bridgeforth, and we will get to all that. Uh, we're going to talk a little. We are going to try to keep this. We'll try to stay on track. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who <laughs> stuck with us last bit. week during the uh, yeah the tangent-filled <laughs> winding road that, that we had last week. Uh, I think our longest episode ever. So <laughs> we, we're going to try to stick to the structure and, and stay on track tonight. Uh, we'll do four downs. We'll look ahead to North Dakota. We are going to do a roundup because there's some teams that have, are certainly worthy of mention this evening, and we've got some great overtime topics. We're going to pick one tonight, but don't get me wrong. We have stored those away for future episodes. Uh, last thing, Rob, big, big thanks to Andrea Clay, who wrote our guest post last week. That was really a special one. And, yeah, it was really touching. Yeah, and and you know we kind of decided to hold off on the preview on Friday to give that a little bit of – it's always tough in these playoff weeks because – everything crams up against each other, but I'm really glad we did. And, you know, even again today, I saw uh, Bennett and the guys over at Jamie sports news highlighted in their it newsletter. Was included in the newsletter. Yeah. yeah which was, was really nice. cool of them. And, yeah. and just Andrea has been following all of us that care about <laughs> sort of, you know, uh, I don't know, all the hangers on JMU media like us for a lot of years. And, and she's a big part of that. And I'm really, that was awesome. And we've also had a chance to have drinks that are like in Frisco mm-hmm. and everything. Like it's neat when we talk about how we've made friends and we've branched out and got to meet so many cool people. Um, Andrea's one of them, you know, it's really neat. She's somebody we've met her and her husband and, you know, exchanged emails over the years and really enjoy catching up with her. Yeah. Uh, so really thinking about her and her family and really appreciate her kind of putting her heart out there and, and sharing mm-hmm. that with us. Yeah. Re- really special. So thank you. Um, Rob, we get to talk about a playoff victory. Uh, I know. And, 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 you know, it's weird because this was the round of 16. Like, not to say it was like, you know, we'll get to this, but not, not to say it was, you know, it wasn't Frisco, right? But it wasn't your typical first round game. And we'd said that going into it last week. And, and then it seemed like some fan reaction made it seem like they were playing Thanksgiving weekend in the play-in games. And that's not what this was. Like, this was no. a strong tournament. They were playing the 6-1 and one SoCon champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they won the game this week. Um, so we're going to do our Mossy Creek four downs brought to you by Mossy Creek fly fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, go by the shop anytime, pick up all the stuff you need for tying flies this spring. Um, all the equipment you need. I'm going to probably get my first rod this year. Uh, oh. Yeah. Exciting time. So I, I might've just called that the wrong thing, but yeah, it's still <laughs> very exciting. Um, yeah, so go by and see the guys at the shop. Uh, if you mention the podcast, you get a free Mossy Creek sticker. Um, but you can also get all, and you can get all kinds of clothes. As the it's going to be the '80s here tomorrow, Rob. Uh, I, I wish it was going to be the '80s on Saturday with this North Dakota Dome team coming here. Or Sunday. I did. Sunday. Well, I saw a Sunday. Yeah, I saw NDSU had put out a th- their coach made a comment today about they're going to Sam Houston this weekend. It's supposed to be almost ninety. 
And he was like, we actually have to keep our kids like, they, they, they like they this is going to be that. unusual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, and we're going to have to hydrate kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, Rob, what was your first down takeaway this week? I mean, I, I guess I covered it in the blog, but like they won, uh, they won. And to a certain degree, I'm counting myself among kind of the unwashed masses that can be, <laughs> can be a little bit underwhelmed. Um, I had to remind myself that like playoff victories are hard to come by. And I, I don't think this is rationalizing anything, but they're not all going to be 55 point blowouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought JMU had a very clear game plan. The play calling, maybe not as clear, but the game plan, I think they wanted to get out to a lead and then just bleed the clock. And I think that's exactly what the plan is going to be this weekend to, to mm-hmm. look ahead, North Dakota mm-hmm. State. So JMU thought it had an advantage with the running game. Hamilton gave him that kind of backbreaking run. You know, VMI had him pinned back and then boom, FCS record, Jamie record, 99-yard run. From that point on, it was kind of like just lean on him, lean on him, lean on him. They got out to this 21-3 at the half. And then it was like a boa constrictor or something. Like they weren't going to try to put up huge points. It just, they seemed content to just squeeze squeeze the life out of VMI. Um, it got a little closer with that garbage time, but this game wasn't really in doubt. It was very much Jamie just leaning on a team and kind of beating them over the course of 60 minutes. Um, we can pick nits like everybody else and talk about what's wrong and how come they're not well, this and how do they stack up against the 2016 team or 20, 2004. Like, none of that matters. They're still winning. They're undefeated. And at this point, you're crazy if you think that JMU or any other team still left in this thing can't win at all. Mm-hmm. So so things are going right. We can talk mm-hmm. about all this stuff in the offseason. It, it's it just seems like the fun kind of tailgate debates have permeated over into the way that we all consume the sport yeah. week to week. And it's like, even during the game, people, you know, getting texts from people like, I don't know, this is worrying me. What about that? This, this would never get by. This isn't going to fly against it. We're like, great. It, Saturday was against VMI. Mm-hmm. They beat VMI. Mm-hmm. Okay. Reset. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. They were not playing North Dakota state. They were not playing South Dakota State. They were not playing North Dakota. They were not playing Brian Shore and Khalid Abdullah. You know, they, <laughs> right. they were playing VMI. Yep. They did what they had to do to beat VMI, mm-hmm. survive in advance. And I, I know people are going to say that's a cop out. And I don't care. That's that's what it is. Like you win the games. There's no style points in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Get the job done and move on. Um, there are certainly things that need to improve. Yep. I don't think we've seen JMU play 60 minutes uh, of a football. I think we saw a couple drives that were a football on Saturday, but we saw a lot of, you know, conservative drowned out type kind of, you know, mediocre football. And then we saw some, some big mistakes, you know, there were some C and D play throughout Mm -hmm. the game, but, but again, they won. So to me, the takeaway is everybody's like, Oh, they're not playing great. They're not playing great. Yeah. They're not playing great and they're still winning. So let's just keep moving forward. Let's look forward to Saturday and let's appreciate what we just saw. And what we just saw was a playoff victory against an extremely motivated, well-coached and Very successful well. VMI team this spring. That's right. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I was left. We talked about this last week, Rob, which was fans, JMU fans are, you know, most of us are kind of like loosely aware, vaguely aware of VMI. And mm-hmm. the, the troubles that that program has endured over the time that most of us have been really invested in the program, say the last two decades, right? And but they were the six and one SoCon champs 
this year. And I think that if that, if you took away the jerseys, right, the VMI name on the front, and that was six and one Wofford, yeah, you'd say exactly. a thirty-one seventeen win where they score in the last ten seconds to make the score look better cosmetically is a really solid. Like we yeah. did what we had to do, got the got the job done, right? Mm-hmm. And that I, I think that's a really good point, Rob. That that's the first thing about it. I, I don't have you know much else to say. I, I just I th- I agree with you. I think they had a, once it was twenty-one three at the half. It was a very different approach to the second half. Yeah. Now, JMU still made enough mistakes to, you know, give us all headaches. But that, yeah, they won. <laughs> they won, and it wasn't really that close, no. uh, you know, except for moments in the game. So that's right. Yeah, my second down, and I will pick the nits now <laughs> for the most part, is I, I did have some coaching questions that I would like to have answered in this game. And and I don't, you know, let's, let's start this out by saying, Kurt Signetti is 22 and two at JMU. Mm-hmm. Those two losses are once to West Virginia in a game they lost by seven at Morgantown and could have won, right? I mean, a frustrating loss for JMU fans, but at West Virginia and the national championship to North Dakota State, where they threw an interception with a chance to tie the game in the last minute, right? Yeah. I, you know, also a game that has its nits to pick and some frustrations. But they're 22 and two with losses to West Virginia and North Dakota State in Frisco. Like, I don't know. So let let me just, that's sort of the way of saying I'm picking nits. I'm not casting stones here at the coaching staff. Yeah, you're not questioning the hire. Yes, I'm not questioning (laughs) the end product here. Um, But I had a couple of things. You know, I would like to have a question answered about how we kicked off in both halves. Mm -hmm. Did Did one of the players? mess that up on the deferred coin toss at halftime. Like I'm very confused about that. I, you know, just what happened there. The onside kick. I said before the play, as they lined up for the kickoff, they're going to kick onside. Mm-hmm. And they kicked onside to the hole because JMU is doing this thing. And it's clearly some, a coaching element. There are two guys of the five on the front line who are further back. Like there is a hole a noticeable place to put an onside kick. And JMU has struggled with this in the past and they did it again this week. And kids are turning around and running backwards to block before they see where the ball is. And it was just such a BMI had scored. It just was such a chance for them to capitalize on momentum. You felt it was there. um, And that was really frustrating. Like what are we doing on special teams right now? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I sort of excused it last week against Richmond coming back off the COVID pauses, but this was frustrating. And then lastly, Yes, I am frustrated with Cole for throwing the interception when they were trying to put the game away late and a field goal would have been as good as a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. But who calls the who calls, who calls the play those plays? Yeah. For me, run the ball, take another 30 seconds, kick the field goal, go on home. You know, like I all three of those were a little frustrating. It's really oh. unusual too, given what we were saying earlier about yes. how they seem content to just squeeze it and and you know run the clock, go home. But then they get aggressive with play calls in odd times. It just yeah. it doesn't seem to fit the situation. And well, when I, you've got a running attack that's gone for 300 yards, mm-hmm. why not use it to, to kill another 30 seconds and you know just put the ball between the hashes for the kick? Yeah. Well, and or the flip what, side yeah. of that is I was really impressed with JMU for the second week in a row coming out attacking down the field, not running the ball, like yeah. doing the uh, you know flipping the script on an opponent. 
and going deep, I was frustrated with my beloved wide receivers. Somebody's got to make a play. Yeah. Right. Wells and Thornton both had chances to make plays for Cole early in the game. Cole's stat line ended up being, you know, 50% completion. But if he, you know, he finally hit the one to Wells where Wells caught it twice yeah. for, for the big play. But if either of those guys catch it on the first drive, it, it feels different. That first quarter, F- that was so for 22 nerdy, feels different. Yeah. 15 for 22 and another touchdown feels a yeah, lot different. Yeah, it feels a lot different, right? Yeah. And and you and I both, I mean, just back to your first point, Rob, your first down, like I forgot how nervous I am during playoff games and mm-hmm. how much I panic yeah. on every, uh, you know, up and down of the first mm-hmm. quarter, second quarter, like, you know, so yeah, it's, it's just a tough one. So I don't know. I'd like to see the coaching um, solve this week. I think it's going to be extra important against North Dakota, a team who... Um, I think it's an upgraded version of VMI, and we'll get to that in a while. But, you know, there were good things and bad things. Wow. Um, so that was my second. That was my second. Um, what about you for third down, Rob? Um, can we talk about Percy and Juwan? I yeah, mean, yeah, I'm the, glad you the brought The one-two punch. Now. I think we talked about this all offseason, how this was going to be the strength of the team. And, oh, my gosh, Jamie, you had four or five guys who could go for 100 yards every game. It was going to be mm-hmm. We really haven't seen that. I mean, they both went over 100 this week. That was the first time that's happened. Mm-hmm. It was Hamilton's first time eclipsing 100 yards, and that's mostly due to the fact that, you know, we've had kind of a, a deep stable of running backs being used. But mm-hmm. Percy had done it twice, and then Keon Black had done it once. It was only like, what, the fourth and fifth 100-yard rushing performances of the year. Uh-huh. That's nothing to be ashamed of, but it just this is what we thought we'd be seeing. We thought teams would just get a heavy dose of Percy and Juwan. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'd sprinkle in some carries from Palmer or, or Van Horse or I don't think any of us saw Keon Black's, you know, 150 yard game yeah. coming. But um so I was very excited about that. I'd like to see more of that going forward. I, I think this team will go as far as the running game will take it. Mm-hmm. We know what we have in Cole at this point. He's mm-hmm. a game manager in the best sense of the word. Um you know but this team, it's a running team. So they need to kind of sprinkle in the past, mix it up, keep the people guessing. But they're going to win if they have rushing performances like they did on Saturday. Yep. Um, you know, it wasn't just Joan's run, break, you know, nine, nine yard run. He was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm all tongue tied. He was good for the rest <laughs> of the game. And Percy was as well. They averaged, what, probably like six yards a pop or 5.8 oh, yeah. yards per pop. It was just a very effective thing. And if we're correct, and this is the plan is just to kind of get out to a lead and then bleed it. You got to be able to run, but just they got to be able to stick with it. And I think mm-hmm. we saw this week that they can be trusted. You could have closed out the game mm-hmm. just running the ball and handing it off. For sure. Um, so I don't know. I was very excited to see that. I was kind of surprised when I looked it up, and that was the first time they both got over a hundred. Yeah, um, yeah, I, that's a great point. I mean, I uh, even if you take away the Jawan ninety-nine yard run, I mean they had three hundred nine yards rushing this week. So even if you take that away, they had two hundred and ten yards rushing. Yep. Like you're going to win a lot of games. <laughs> when you go over 200 yards rushing and especially when you go over 300 um Jawan, it's so fun i was so happy for him to have that kind of a moment you know i put my hands up when he was on our like between our 10 and 15 yard line oh yeah like the minute he got through there he i was, was like going, well yeah. he's his kick returner right there i mean he's yep. they're not vmi is not catching him <laughs> you know like you could just see it i mean it was over on our side of midfield but for sure so that was a lot of fun I thought uh, I saw and at the moment too. Being oh, that was an like enormous that. moment. It yeah. was really funny that the announcer, I th- I, the announcers were, um, you know, not great. Uh, as all not, not great in these, but uh, but I did enjoy the announcer in that part where he said, "I'll tip my cap," and then he was like, 
I tipped my cap. <laughs> like, he was like, he could score on a 99-yard field. We really have to tip our cap to JMU. And it was like one play, and he was like, yeah. well, that was it. Got me. Uh, yeah, and I thought Evangelista, are, you know, made a great point. I don't know if that was public or private today, but, uh, you know, the Hamilton run is incredible and deserved all the praise. But Percy was a monster this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, despite the fact that the announcers could not pronounce Ajay Obase, and therefore just decided to call him Percy all the time, um, which, which is, you know, I understand. Uh, but they, um, you know, he was incredible after contact uh, mm-hmm. on so many plays. And just, you know, first downs where you get five instead of two, you know, third downs where you need three and you get four, like uh, it, just grinding this week. And that's going to be enormous this week. So I, I think you're right. And the only thing I don't know about this week, Rob, is I Solomon Van Horse was out on the field. I saw him a number of times. Recovered um, the outside kick. Yeah. Was involved in the game for sure, but didn't, you know, play a lot. I I, I guess maybe Did Palmer's, he have the did he have the block on on Juwan's he, big run? Yeah, I think he would they he did use two running back sets this week, which was really creative and I thought helped them a lot. Um you know we didn't see Palmer. We didn't see Black really. So I don't know, like, I'll say this. I don't really care whether Signetti and company decided we're going to ride our horses. Now we're in the playoffs and we're going to ride the big dogs. That's fine with me, Uh, you know, because certainly Percy and Jawan got revved up in this game and 309 yards speaks for itself. Um, But, you know, otherwise, I don't know if anybody's nicked up. We'd heard a little bit that Van Horse was, you know, they were managing him a little bit. So who knows? But I'm perfectly excited to see Jawan and Percy go t- tit for tat, you know, the, yeah. the playoff run. So that, that, that I mean, it's like off. Johnson and Abdullah. You know? Yeah, it and, goes and back we'll to those days. Keelan and, and uh, Latrell for when we need them. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So that's exciting for the running backs. Uh, for fourth down, Rob, I, I don't have a special teams thing this week. So I, I want to talk about all defense. I'm real. This was, there were some exciting developments on the D line. This is the place that we've been probably the most concerned about on this team since early in the season. You know, we had questions at other spots coming into the season. But as things shaped up on the field this year, I think D-line is the one place. The defense has been great overall. Everyone knows that. Statistically, they've been off the charts and fantastic. But we weren't really sure outside of Mike Green what we had there. I mean, that James Carpenter play is enormous like the athleticism the he's been in the mix um you know there's a lot kamara has been in the mix you know we saw abby and akonje finally like there were some plays from some of the ocholawa i guess had a big play this week like we saw uh, guys starting to find their way and i think you know the d-line has been able to be sheltered by the strength of the back seven or so you know, Azanama and Tucker, I mean, Tucker Dorsey was awesome this week, but you know, th- those guys are so good. Q Reed and MJ Hampton helping in the run game are unbelievable. Really great to see Taurus Carroll playing so well in Greg Ross's absence. It's nice to see. I thought Carroll did a nice job of reading, reading the coverage there and kind of baiting the, baiting the QB in the throw. Like he kind of hung in there and as soon as it left his hands, he just stepped back. Like he was well positioned. He kind of hit himself, but he had that one red from the start. And I don't know, the Wesley McCormick interception uh, on the first drive for VMI from, you know, where Harris, they tried to throw the 
the lob to Harris, that might have been the biggest play of the game. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for Carpenter's bat down and interception later on in the game. Um, yeah. But I just I was really excited to see what the D line. I just felt this week that the Dukes really controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that we have lots of nits to pick with like scheming and play calling and passing game and trick plays and that kind of stuff. But 309 yards is 309 yards, yeah. right? And VMI scoring three points in the first half. I, what else you want to say? Like, I, you know, that's nice that they fired it up and scored three touchdowns in the second half, but you know, like it was like the complete opposite of the early games against Elon and, and Randolph Bacon, mm-hmm. or Randolph, whatever, Robert, Robert, Robert Morris. Morris. Yeah. Um, where Jamie kind of slept walked through the first half and then did just enough to win. I felt like they kind of stormed out of the gates, built a big lead, then did just enough to hang on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, the defense, uh, no concerns about the defense. No. A couple of garbage scores and VMI has a pretty effective offense and you knew they were yeah. going to get their shots. And Harris was good. That receiver was very good. The receiver was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I thought Jamie kind of wore out the quarterback though. Mm-hmm. Right, like he was pretty good, and he had his moments, and you felt like he was doing good things. And then you go back and you look at the stats after the game; he wasn't really that good. Like, that's, like the that's stats weren't this, really there, you know. And it that's was the same story. thing with Mancuso. Yeah, every right before everybody was talking about, oh man, that guy's got a better arm than advertised. And then you look at it, and he's like, you know, fifty percent passing or under fifty percent passing. Yep. They they make guys. I think as fans, we we look at yeah, everybody's going to get beat. You know, and I certainly do this. I see JMU get beat over the top once or twice, and I'm like, man, they're getting burned all day. Then you go back and look at the stats, and you're like, nope, five yards per attempt. You know, not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Well, I, with that, we're going to turn to this week's game, the quarterfinals, again, at Bridgeforth. Crazy Sunday. All the, I, I noticed today, I, I hadn't noticed this. We talked about the potential for a Sunday quarterfinal. All the quarterfinals are on Sunday. Uh, yeah, which actually is more fair. Is that because of the NFL draft? I think it is. It's also more fair to a. It's more fair to all the teams playing the following week that everyone will have played on the same day. But yeah, b. It's, it's also um, coming off the NFL draft. You know, they get. I think NDSU plays at three o'clock. NDSU Sam Houston is three o'clock on ESPN on Sunday. Six o'clock JMU. Nine o'clock South Dakota State. Uh, both of those on ESPN too. So for like the lunatic football fans, and we both know them, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the people coming off the draft, that's a pretty nice that's little pretty uh, showcase for FCS. Yeah. If you get a triple FCS triple header on the on the real channels, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pre- as we said, this is going to build, and if Jamie could win this week, I, I think the people will be aware of these games going forward. So exciting uh, this Sunday, you know, going to need. And that, and this is our, the, our way of saying this is the looking ahead to North Dakota, brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Yes, uh, yes. So, a big home field advantage need we need to create for the Dukes this week. But uh, home field, just some great guys from Indiana. Uh, the shirts are made right there in Indianapolis, Indiana. You can get all kinds of cool stuff. Rob, the script Dukes remains undefeated. Yeah, it does. Got it that, before the Mary Mary game, and here we go. Dukes of JMU. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Uh, get your, you know, these are really cool vintage designs looking deep in the history of the schools in JMU's case, some old track and field logos, old swimming logos, like cool stuff. You can go on there and get that. Uh, and you can use the code JMU sports blog to get 15% off. 
I so, think that's only good through this week. Oh, is it? I think, oh, I we think got it ends this week. I think it was only through April. So, oh, we got to talk to Connor again here. Yeah, yeah. So, fire that up. Order your stuff and, and get prepared for the rest of this playoff run. Or oh, I got to order that up for other people's. Yeah, the, some other school stuff for other people. Yeah, yeah because that counts for all the schools. So, thanks to Home Field. It's awesome stuff. I have had fun with that shirt. I'm going to continue. Uh, now it's time to order some more. So, look, Rob, what's your first t- thing as you're looking ahead to this week? What's the thing that uh, you know is top of mind for you? Well, it's something you just touched on. It's the defensive line. And I want to see if our defensive line can continue to make strides and how effective they can be against North Dakota State's offensive line, which is probably you know one of the strengths of, of the North Dakota, North Dakota team. Dakota. I know, all of us. Um, yeah, I'm calling them They've been very good at limiting tackles for loss and protecting the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're a good team. They've relied a little bit on some trickery, as we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing they are really effective at is just straight-head offensive line play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think JMU needs to get in the backfield and have like five sacks or anything. Yeah. But if they can just get enough plays behind the line of scrimmage, slow people down, it can make a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. I, I expect both teams are going to approach this the same way, which is to try to just control the clock mm-hmm. and, and squeeze each other. Um, so it's going to come down to line play, and it's you know it's a strength of both teams. Um, I'm not very concerned about JMU's offensive line, even with Fernando missing. I've been very impressed yeah, with they've been great. playing. Yeah. Um, so that so it's on the other end. It's really can can the defensive line continue to make strides, and how effective can they be in slowing down North Dakota? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And just for the sort of trickery aspect you touched on there, you know, just to set the stage for North Dakota, they are. Five and one. Yeah, five and one this spring. <clears throat> they had a long pause for COVID before the playoffs. Their wins, they have very impressive wins. They won 28-17 over South Dakota State at home early in the season. They won 44-21 over SIU, also a quarterfinalist at home. And they won at home over South Dakota Coyotes, who were also at the time ranked. Um, early in the season. Those were their first three games. All of those games were at home in their dome in Grand Forks, North Dakota. All of them took place in February or early March in front of packed houses, which was uh, something that wasn't going on many places in the country. Yeah, a little bit uh, of an advantage. A little bit of an advantage. Uh, they went on the road and beat Western Illinois, a team that quit on the season and was generally trash all year. Uh, and then they got their tails handed to them by the Bison, in Fargo, uh, they got mauled in that game and they got mauled on the lines. So your point there about defensive and offensive line was, is just enormous for this team in the South Dakota state upset. That's the number one seed. They ran a flea flicker for a touchdown. They blocked a punt. They are, uh, they ran a fake punt from their own into the field in that game. Yep. So like, you know, they are an upgraded VMI like a more talented version of VMI in the sense that they're, they seem extremely well coached and really well positioned to take advantage of any opportunities that are given them by the other team's mistakes. And JMU will really need to limit that. And one of the things I noticed about them just trying to watch the highlights through the season is JMU needs to tackle well this week. Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, North Dakota, North Dakota, here I'm doing it too. Yeah, they run a, it's contagious. You know, they're not as like crossing route friendly, but, the, but it is very important. Their running back is really strong. He's a little like tank, kind of in the Khalid, Trey Sharp mold, you know, just a little fire plug. Uh, the Wea really need to control him. And, and everything is like quick passes. 
They don't, you know, they run trick plays for deep plays, but I feel like a lot of this is going to be what we talked about going into last week, which is they're going to get, you know, five, six, seven yard plays sometimes. But if you make the tackle right there, I, I think JMU can limit the damage. You know, it, it, the key for this is not giving up huge plays. So they beat, you know, they blew out Missouri State this week in their playoff game. I will say this game was a little weird, it, just in the sense that they kind of got up. It was 24 to three at the half. So there wasn't much in doubt in this game and they kept the foot on the gas. Missouri State was pretty bad. We had talked about going into last week. We Missouri State was the one team we were all a little bit confused about. They didn't Te- really deserve a bid. No, yeah. technically they won a share of the conference title uh, for the Valley, but they didn't play everyone, and that was a little weird. And who knows? Anyways, we don't get to talk about Bobby Trino, so uh, that's that's good for us. Uh, the Fighting Hawks. This was their first year in the Missouri Valley, by the way. They had come over from the Big Sky, so you know really impressive that they did so well but also you wonder okay do the early season losses to teams like SIU and South Dakota State you know it'll be interesting to see how the second season goes in the fall against some of these teams you know uh so I mean that's really my thing you you said just defensive line play and and I'm thinking tackling so I think we're both thinking on that side of the ball I mean I'm really hopeful on offense that JMU I could say this, when they got mauled by North Dakota State, the big NDSU running back scored three touchdowns all from outside 10 yards where they just like got going downhill in a very NDSU fashion and just pushed North Dakota around. And there aren't many teams in the country can do that. I do hope, I think I'm cautiously optimistic JMU is the other one that can do that. (laughs) Yeah. I you think know. Saturday we saw they're capable. If they commit to the run, mm-hmm. I, I think they can they can run on anybody. Yeah. And don't make the mistakes, right? Don't give up the onside kick or the block punt or this, you know, flea flicker. Don't sort of get yourselves in a hole here. I think if JMU can control the game again like they did this past week, I think they'll be in a really good shape. You know, if they're in the third quarter and it's a three-point game or JMU is up, you know, at any at any point, I think Jamie will be in really good position coming down the stretch. Um, what I don't want to see is Jamie be down by fourteen in the third quarter. No, this this Jamie team is not built to mm-hmm. mount huge comebacks. We mm-hmm. saw them do it against kind of lesser tier opponents. Sure, but in the playoffs, uh, not saying they can't do it, right. but it would be out of character. It would be. It, you know, it's not a quick strike offense. It's not really a, a light up the scoreboard type thing. It's very but, methodical, and, then and they're going to take their opportunities and just. Maybe we'll have this discussion again this summer, Rob. I don't know. But there, I, I saw people, you know, there were fans calling for Gage again at certain points in this game. And, I mean, part of it's like, no, we're in the playoffs and this is what's going on. <laughs> but another part of me just, I did try to go back and think about, well, would the mistakes that JMU made or even if you, you know, arguably Cole made, are those the kind of mistakes that would be corrected by Gage's game? And I don't, I didn't see that this week, right? I mean, I don't, to me, it just remains like other than if it was a de- pure decision-making, then I would think, okay, that's that's an argument you can have. Or if it were, we're not being tough enough in the running game, we need a spark in the running game, then maybe Gage is the answer. But if it's kind of scheming and receivers maybe not helping out a little bit or, 
was the throw perfect? I don't think that's the kind of thing where you get an upgrade by going to Gage. You know, Gage lit a spark in the Elon game, but I don't know that it was necessarily like pass accuracy was the only spark, you know? Yeah. To I, me, that's like we're talking about six of one and half dozen the other with these two. So, and let's be honest, I don't think any of us, unless people are going to practice, have seen enough of Gage to really speak with any degree of confidence or certainty what his strengths are. We can talk about what we've heard. What we picked up from tweets from Medea or, right. you know, what so-and-so's <laughs> brother saw, right. you know, when at practice. We don't know. It's just, I think this is nothing more than, there's nobody more popular than a backup quarterback. Right. You know, it's just, and well, I think it's understandable. I... Cole, Cole has not been dominant. I mean, we're saying he, he's a game manager. He's just, But at this point, I'm, I'm with you, man. I don't see how you could think that that QB was the big thing that is holding this team back from whatever people think it should be doing. It's not built to be one of these, you know, 80 point blowout offenses. That's just Mm -hmm. not what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I mean, Cole, he can get the job done. We've seen his ceiling is good enough to win it all. Yeah. Um, Well, I think what you said, Rob, some to everybody, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy. And that we say that about fans, but I think sometimes college sports, especially in a weird year like this sometimes that happens in the locker room too right the team's not living up to expectations and the easiest solution that players see on social media and hear from fans and families is we'll switch the quarterback right and i think we saw this year like that gave them a little the, the the biggest thing that happened was a positive for gage was he wasn't cole at a time when the team wasn't playing well it just was a spark. But now I feel like they've played really – let's, you know, strip all this junk away. They've played three games in a row where they pretty much – I think you could argue were their three best games of the year and each week was a little better, going from William & Mary to Richmond to VMI. Yeah. You know, I, and I don't know. I, you know, The, the gauge like, thing against Elon too, like credit to him for coming in and, and leading the team to a win. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was less about – the quarterback change in play and more just about like a manager who gets himself thrown out of the ball game to, to fire the team up. Yeah. I yeah, felt yeah. like the switch mm-hmm. was made and it was like, Oh man, it, it just got real. And the whole team like focus got energy. And you know, that's, that's great for all of them that they came through. Um, but I don't know if that's reason to say he's the man. No, the most important part of the Elon comeback was that Elon didn't score again. Yes. <laughs> Once Jamie started coming back. Right, that the defense just kind of shut them down, and the offense managed to score 17 points in the half or whatever they did. You know, like it wasn't. And that was a different. I mean, Cole looked completely ineffective that game. He did, and he made. We have not seen decisions. anything like that, thankfully, since no. he was reinserted. Correct. And actually, I thought. I mean, look. You know, I, there were times I was frustrated this week, but Cole had a couple good runs this week. Yeah. He had that big third down conversion where he kind of ran over a guy. Lowers, yeah. Yeah. Lowered his shoulder, you know, and a couple times he took a sack where I was frustrated this week, but I think taking the sack was the right play for the quarterback. Like in that moment versus forcing one. Yeah. And, and there were pick. a couple like where I sort of questioned, and this was, a, you know, here I'm nitpicking again. He didn't have like a short or intermediate route. It didn't look like in some of those, a couple of those sacks, this week he was waiting for a play to develop down the field and he didn't have time for it to develop. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the safest thing to do was eat the ball. And I'm okay with that. 
I, what I'm not okay with is throwing the fade interception. You know, as I said, I'm I'm still frustrated by the play call itself, but you also can't underthrow that at that point of the yeah, game. But, you know? I, but that's just, okay. Like that's just a bad play, right? I mean, I think people fall in love with fades. Yeah, yeah, and, me too. And most quarterbacks are good enough to to throw them. You know, it's a very low percentage thing. You need to have tremendous touch, and it's much more difficult. And I think it just kind of comes across like just loft it up there and let your guy make a play. Well, that that doesn't work. We've seen time and time again that not just JMU, but any team like that becomes like a, a sitting duck for a defensive back when you do that. And unless you got a Riley Stapleton or a Randy Moss out there who can just post somebody up and go over the top, it's just not a very effective play. No, I mean even VMI who had the kid Harris who really is kind of a small version of Riley Stapleton, right? Or a, a, I mean, same size, but you know, another version of that, their quarterback under through that. Yeah. Like it's still a tough play. And maybe he hadn't seen a guy with the talent of like a Wesley McCormick to, to, to sneak in and steal that this spring uh, in the same way that I'm also hopeful. I, I did, you know, we kind of joked about the Juwan Hamilton play. I don't think VMI played a lot of guys with central Florida speed. No, <laughs> this year, and I'm a little bit hopeful the same thing will hold true this week with North Dakota. So we will find out on Sunday, uh, late in the day. So I don't have anything else there, Rob. I think we want to move on to a little OGL roundup here, right? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, this we got to talk weekend. about this. So old guys leave roundup here. This was a big weekend for JMU. Uh, we do. There's only one negative, but uh, we'll start with women's tennis. Your team, Rob. Coach Shelley, I mean, back again, to back. I mean, are you kidding me? For a program that had never won a title, they had been buried, just murdered by William and Mary for decades. As everybody, program. the whole league was murdered. The by whole league for decades. And not only, you know, they won four two. They won coasting away yeah. this weekend in in the CAA final. They are a week from today, so selection Sunday or selection Monday for women's tennis is May third. So we got a week off for them. We'll talk about them next Monday night, one way or the other. But just what an incredible, you know, I, I read a thing today where they had lost. I forgot that back when you talked to Coach Shelley, it's so funny, right? You talked to her like the week she got hired almost, right? Yeah. Like it was like her first week and she was like, hey, yeah, I'm just making the rounds. And, I was like, <laughs> and they, put you, they put you in touch with us? Like, right, right, right. Did somebody not like you? Like what's going on? Yeah, they had lost their best player transferred to NC State at the time mm-hmm. and then they come out and win the damn thing. And now they, you know, really validated that. I mean, not that that, I mean, they, they earned it the first time too, but this feels like a real changing of the guard in the CAA. Yeah, it does. It really now, does. Uh, so huge congrats to women's tennis. Looking forward to watching them wherever they end up in the NCAAs. Softball, Rob, 27-1. and one. Don't really know what else to say, except there are uh, there are small rumblings, right? We saw, we reposted a piece today that, you know, the, the softball nerds are starting to, to uh, find JMU again, mm-hmm. right? And, and softball nerds very much exist uh, out there. And there are a lot of people who care a great deal about the sport and most of them who aren't unless they're a fan of one of the power five teams, they're always looking for some team outside the power five to get on board with. And for the last 10 years, JMU has established itself as one of the two or three programs in the country that fit that bill. And 27 and one is 27 and one doesn't matter who it's against. I saw Kate Gordon is continues to just hammer. I, I mean, just, the RBIs are stacking up in this girl's career. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
they're getting good. I, I just, I'm just continue to be excited about Alexander and Bermudez adding to Alyssa Humphrey. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be weird. Like every year it's going to come down to what are they ready? You know, what's the competition step up? You know, how do they handle it? And what does it really amount to when it comes to the end of the year? But man, 27 to one, yeah, pretty good. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, La- lacrosse again, Rob. Fifteen nine, yeah, yeah. They, they they have flipped the switch. We left them for dead two weeks ago, and all they've done is win three games, avenge their one CAA loss with a fifteen nine sort of beatdown of Elon this week. They've gotten a few players healthy again. We talked about that last week. Yeah. They're now suddenly they're nine and four overall and three and one in the CAA. And all my like this is going to be impossible to make the tournament is not looking so. You know, I, no, I mean, they need to make the CAA final, but they're. They're in, starting to look like they're in pretty good shape, and they're certainly rounding into form. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you can. It's he- been a completely different team. It's, I mean, like I said earlier, yeah. they just flipped the switch, and something, something clicked. They're playing better. Yeah. I mean, right now, that you gotta like their chances to win the CAA. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Term, and I did not a couple weeks ago. No, like, oh, man, no this no. is just a this is like a bad year, COVID reset, whatever. Yeah, they're doing great. Um, yeah. I, I was excited. I was pleased to see that. Nice to see them avenge their earlier loss, which was. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of brutal. I did not expect them to lose to Elon. No. Um, so we'll see. Molly Doherty is playing great. It was senior senior day yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was. Right? Yep. No. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's good. It's nice to see them playing playing well now. Um, you'd like them to go undefeated, but if you're going to get a hot streak, you want it to be this time of year. Yeah. Well, and I I'm so confused by the whole senior day thing because we're I'm so lost as to who's coming back or who's not coming because everyone has this. You know, so many of these players are going to have the option because of COVID to have Speaking another Speaking of which, like, not, yeah. not to jump all the way back no, to football, no. but didn't they, wasn't Cole one of the guys they honored on senior day? I, I think that's so. Where, and I don't know, but, but, you know. Should we read too much into that or? No, I don't. That's where for me, I just, I have no idea. I saw that with Zach, I thought about it with Zach Jacobs today because there was a thing about him from basketball, you know, and I was like, he, he'd already kind of said he's going on. And then Ray Gillespie with football had a really heartwarming interview last week where he talked about, you know, he is it was a Gillespie? No, Truvel uh, Wilson. Sorry, mm-hmm. Truvel Wilson had said like, "No, I have a real job lined up, and I have a a, a wife and a son, like at our <laughs> child at home." You know, kind of, yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's it worth reading into anything because I think Kate Gordon last year we thought wouldn't come back, and she's coming back. You know, she's back. So who knows? I, I just the one thing with the cross with the senior day thing was. It was weird to think uh, Charlotte Haggerty I saw was honored on like a couple of these players that were real significant contributors to the national championship team are kind of we're, we're coming to the end of the group that was real significant contributors to that. But I'm hoping we get Doherty back another year. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Is she a senior or a junior? I don't know. And that, yeah, no, probably junior. And the other good thing she was is a like, freshman when they won. for lacrosse, I think it's a little different, right? I mean, for most kids, if you want to continue playing the sport, this is your chance to do it, right? I mean, you're not probably going to a significant professional career in terms of earning potential. And, it, you know, football is a little different animal, I think, for some of the kids trying to make decisions about their health and well-being. It is a, it's a tougher call, you know, um, in the real contact sports. So who knows? But, yeah, that was awesome for lacrosse. Men's soccer, Rob. Um, 
you know, this is tough. I don't know whether to be happy or sad. They are playing. I, I mean, I'm thrilled that they're in the NCAA tournament. I'm thrilled that they're playing Sunday. Uh, it's a little a bit of a bummer. They're playing at 5 p.m. against UCF, Central Florida. It, I mean, part of it's kind of cool because I think a lot of people, a lot of JMU fans will be tuned in to social media on Sunday for football at 6 p.m. And so, you know, there's some, you know, you get you get a pre uh, the best pregame of all time right? you get to watch JMU in the NCAA tournament at 5 p.m. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of people return to the channel. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I, I think it'll be cool. I mean, if they win, people are going to be all over that, they really Sunday, will. which is cool. And I think that will draw interest going forward. Uh, but so they play at 5 p.m. And then the last one was uh, only sad note of the weekend was field hockey uh, lost. They really finished a fantastic season. I, I don't think we had a lot of hopes for this program. They were one of the last to get started in the spring. They lost the CAA title 4 3 in overtime to Delaware. You know, in kind of heartbreaking fashion, they were up in this game, uh, but they finished six and two. And this was a program that I think, if you told us before the season that they were five hundred, and just made the CAA tournament, we would have said that was kind of progress for Coach Morgan's group. Instead, they were six and two, won the regular season, and darn near won the whole thing without. I mean, with really not like they are ready for the fall. This team is has a lot of people coming back. And I feel like we saw significant progress from one of the teams that I, a lot of people weren't paying attention to this spring. Mm-hmm. So really exciting for field hockey. I think that's, that takes us to the end. I don't know if you, I, I don't have anything else there, Rob, on the rest of the thing. It'll be fun to watch uh, men's soccer. You know, if they win this game, it will be so, f- if both teams could win on Sunday, soccer and football, it'd be really fun next Monday. Yeah. Looking ahead to, you know, I, I, just two more playoffs. Yeah, I, I think soccer can. I mean, they're they're gonna. I don't know. I'm just excited about this team. It was funny because uh, one more note on soccer. I don't know if you saw uh, CJ Sapong was heavily involved in yes, Nashville's header. first point. Yeah, so the new Nashville SC club in the MLS. Uh, CJ Sapong, former JMU star. He's yeah. got a heck of a career. I know he's bounced around a bunch of team, different teams. He's been a contributor he's, he's, everywhere. He's been a contributor everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. and what he's got to be what 10 years in the league now? Yeah, at exaggerating. Least. I mean, yeah, he's, no, he has a nice run. No, scored and, a lot of goals, won a championship, yeah. and it's crazy. Yeah, that Nashville and Austin this year, if these Miami, uh, even from last year, like if these new clubs in MLS had full fans this year, it would be out of control. Yeah, like the fan bases. Uh, so, just really exciting for them as we go into the summer and maybe start seeing what the support is out there for these new clubs. So exciting for CJ Sapong. Rob, we got incredible overtime topics tonight. We put this out like an hour before. Normally we get like two suggestions. We got at least five that I wrote down. So everyone that wrote in tonight, just huge thanks. And I I wrote them all down and we'll try to credit you along the way. We're going to do these as we go through the playoffs. (laughs) Let's hope. Uh, but tonight, we're going to go with our one from Dave Butts, uh, which was one of the early ones, which was favorite live performance you have attended. This is a music question. thought this would be a fun one for tonight. Uh, yeah. You're um, going to need to go first. because I'm, I'm going to need I, to go first. Okay. This I'm is a blanking. tough one. Yeah. Well, the, the one that I, our buddy Tim sent is a really good one, but I actually want to do that as like, anyways, well, these could be multiple answer ones, yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to think about this. 
So I think my favorite live performance, this was tough. It, uh, it's really, I, even now I wrote down four and I'm t- struggling at the end. I, this is not actually my favorite band. And I don't mean this in a, like, don't mean that in a negative way. I love, I love this band. Um, and it's my least favorite venue in the world, which is, but I went to see Radiohead at uh, Nissan Pavilion slash Jiffy Lube Live. And I'm sure some of our listeners went to this show probably about 10, I don't know, eight years ago, maybe eight, 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, probably 2014 ish. And you'll remember that if you went, you will remember it was a monsoon all night. Um, it was one of the worst traffic debacles of all time. There was flooding out there, like around that, you know, had you to drive through those neighborhoods. It's just the worst venue that, ever. That place and Merriweather. Are just it was the last, I actually next. said it would be the last concert I ever went to there. I think it is the last concert I ever went to there. Um, but the show itself was incredible. And th- that was right off the, like at the kind of in rainbows time for mm-hmm. them. So really high watermark for, you know, arguably one of the best bands of the last 30 years. And I was not necessarily like the biggest Radiohead fan going into the show. And I, it's still not like something I go back to all the time, but that show was incredible. Like, you know, Rob, I have three or four other bands that I normally put in this slot because they're way ahead of the chart for me, but that show itself was incredible. I mean, I, there's a couple festivals I could have put in here, but I felt like that was about the festival, not about a particular performance. Yeah. That one, like they were very aware that the weather was awful for the fans and they just went like ham, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it was such a fun show. So, yeah, that's all that was mine. Yeah. Oh, geez. I, I don't know. Like I, I've got a bunch of like kind of cool, intimate show experiences. Yeah, that's what I thought with, about those. But they'd be with acts that would completely ruin whatever street credibility I think I'd have. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. But I mean, so like I saw Jack Johnson at Iota. Yeah, we were there was, together. Yeah, yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. like so that, I mean, that was I had beers with him before the before the show. Yeah, you did. Um, and then so that was kind of funny. That certain that was not like a musical highlight, no. but it was just it's neat to see a small yeah. small venue. Um, or I saw Hootie and the Blowfish at the Flood Zone. Yeah, <laughs> and hung out afterwards. Darius yeah. Rucker yeah. sitting on the curb drinking yeah. beers with people yes. after. Yes. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I got, I got things like that, but I think we once me, saw John Popper come on stage with Pat McGee at. And we think we're back getting Rob's take on the, what, what's your best live performance you ever attended Rob? Other than yeah, the I guess you talked about, or maybe you mercifully don't have recorded for posterity's sake. Yeah, maybe not. I was talking about some of my not very cool, um, rather poppy music performances that I've seen, which were surprisingly good. Um, I think my tendency is always to kind of go back to like the small intimate things that are kind of surprising or just feel different, but I'm going to go the other direction mm-hmm. just cause I think, I'm, I think I've told the story before about seeing the beastie boys in a high school or in a rec center gym. Oh yeah. And that was super fun, but I'm going to go the other direction. And of course it'll be beastie boys again because <laughs> I'm, but seeing them at Lollapalooza uh-huh. in Charlestown in, in 1994, Probably, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Yeah. It was 94. They were in Lollapalooza with Smashing Pumpkins, George Clinton, The Breeders, um, L7. I mean, but Jesus, that's a one-day like thing, day. right? 
Yeah, it was one day. Yeah. It was back when it was a tour. It, yeah. I think now it's in Chicago, but uh-huh. they used to tour. It started off, it was in Reston. Okay. And my first year when I was in high school, it was at Lake Fairfax Park. Yeah. In Reston. And I was lifeguarding down the street and you could hear everybody, play. you could hear Nine Inch Nails and everybody <laughs> playing when, when I was sitting in the chair. Um, but see, I've seen the BC Boys a bunch and this was a particularly fun show. They were not the headliners. Smashing Pumpkins was the headliners. But they went on second to last and the place was just going nuts. And having seen them mostly like inside, mm-hmm. you know, at smaller venues, it was just really cool to see them. And it just stood out and it was so much better than Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Like when Smashing Pumpkins went on, Billy Corgan was doing Billy Corgan stuff and being kind of a, a whiny prima donna. And the crowd started chanting for the BC Boys to come back. It was just, but it was just one of those epic performances where you got like, you know, you've been to festivals, yeah. you know, when the, the first... Oh. The first act that kind of plays when the when it gets dark yeah. has an advantage. Yes. When you go from that kind of like dusk to dark yep. where everybody gets amped up mm-hmm. and headliner. And it was just crazy. I mean, those guys can put on a show. I don't know if you ever saw them, but it was just really, really cool to be there. I I mean, I was in guess guess in college at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but a big, massive outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. Not as big as like writing, but you know when you see the videos from like writing and they show the crowd shots and everybody's moving yeah, in yeah. unison. It's like that. It was one of those types of yeah. things with just a bunch of crazy dumb suburban kids jumping up and down. But it was super fun. That's awesome. Yeah, we we could come back. By the way, Dave. Yeah, we we might have to come back and do this. Like as a we might need as a category. Show. Need yeah, yeah. Because I the festival thing. I that's how and smaller shows. I mean, I thought about a couple of these. I I think Rob, you were there when we went to drive by truckers at nine thirty on the night that uh. Patterson Hood got sick and we got all the coolie Shauna Tucker like deep cuts. No, I wasn't there. That was like a whole bunch of guys from from basketball. We used to play in that Monday night game. Oh, yeah. Know, like, trip and prison. Yeah. And, everybody was there, and I didn't go. And, and Patterson Hood got sick and like so they they were it actually give you your money back if you didn't want to go to the show. But mm-hmm. instead we went to the show and it was like all the like deepest cuts ever from, you know, our one of our favorite bands. But yeah, we, we can talk about this all night. So those are good ones, Rob. Yeah, we need to put we need to put more prep into that. We need yeah. to and we need to chunk it out in some way. Well, like, it's also kind of funny that we both went with show like or, big. You know, I mean, I mean, I think radio, uh, you know, BC Boys is right up there with you. And like, I'm really glad. There's other shows, right? I got to see Willie Nelson. I got to see Prince. Like, there's people that I'm more thrilled to have seen than Radiohead. But in terms of like closest to that artist apex was the way I thought about this one tonight. So, you oh, know, like see it at the peak. Yeah. Like just, just being like, Oh, well, this is actually the best version of this person that I could have seen. Yeah. You you could also approach it from like maybe the, the show that most succeeded your expectations or somebody that you were kind of like, just yeah, went to bit, with friends. Yeah. Well, cause for me, that would be like bluegrass. Like you were t- like, I, and so that's like a six day trip yeah. that involves camping and hiking and all kinds of wonderful goodness that has nothing like, Yes, it was awesome the first time I saw Sam Bush or something like that, but it wasn't like, I don't know that I could tell you like a particular musical moment from that thing, <laughs> you know? Um, but I've seen some bands that I had no interest in. It was just, they were like on the bill at a festival mm-hmm. who ended that's up blowing best, me away. Right? And that's yeah. the best, like Cr- Cracker, uh-huh. that band, they're from Richmond, Virginia. They are amazing live. Yeah. And like, I just thought of them as just like one of my first radio concert. kind of rock thing. Uh-huh. They played Grateful Dead covers mm-hmm. and like, they were just an amazing live act and, and just blew me away. Um, so that's one or, or violent femmes. That's, I had mm-hmm. high expectations, mm-hmm. but that's another just fun one. You feel like the, the entire vibe of the crowd, everybody's there like on cloud nine, but yeah, it's, it's neat. 
we could I, do this all oh, day. Yeah. I think I've told you, Rob, my, the venue has such, can have such an effect too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I'm actually really delighted. I, I think I've talked to you about the Hall River Ballroom in North Carolina is my mm-hmm. favorite. And the first time I ever went there was to see his Golden Messenger and Sarah Jaroge. And I didn't know anything about either band. And they were incredible. Like his Golden Messenger is incredible. And I was actually just bringing it up because he has a song. They have a song. I don't know. It's one of those like bright eyes type thing that's mm-hmm. getting pretty heavy traction on like serious now. Like, and I thought they were kind of giving up on the musical career and now suddenly it's like finally taking off. I don't know. Um, you know, but that going to that, I just wanted to go to that venue and I went and that was the act. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is something I'm, I'm going to listen to this for the rest of my life. Like these two or three albums, you know I mean? That's such a, yeah, we could do this forever. I I saw Jimmy Fallon open for the strokes. Oh, terrible i mean first of all what's he doing open for the strokes it was it was awful we got there we thought it was gonna be the mooney suzuki this was 2002 or something and i think on the rest of the tour it was the mooney suzuki and somehow we got stuck with jimmy fallon and our date and it was like it was like bad youtube before youtube he came out with those stupid troll dolls and did like the crap that he'd do on his late night show now before the it was terrible. I mean, and talk about a guy who just could not win over the room. Um, it was bad. And that was when, yeah, it was, that was terrible. But that was at the Tabernacle in Atlanta, which is a really cool venue. Yeah, like you said. If yeah. you get the chance to go to. Another cool show I saw in Atlanta, which kind of surprised me, what I ended up really liking was, you ever seen Ben Folds? Yeah, have? I, I haven't. I don't know that I have. I was trying to think about that because you've always, yeah, I mean, we've both always liked him, but I. It just It's just a fun show. He played. Emory has like a chapel on campus mm-hmm. and he played in the chapel that Emory has free concerts every year. They do like oh, one wow. concert a year or semester where they bring in, you know, pretty big yeah. name acts and it's free. They don't have football or anything. Mm-hmm. So this is what they do. UNCG does this. Yeah. And because it was, he plays the piano, they had to put it inside someplace because the humidity. Mm-hmm. And so the only place they could do it was in this chapel. Mm-hmm. So the whole show, like we were literally in the pews mm-hmm. and Ben folds is up there, yeah. you know, by the altar, just playing his piano And it was amazing. Like he just, he gets the audience involved and it's pretty much just him, but he's a funny, funny storyteller and just an amazing musician. So that was one, like you just wait in line. There were no tickets. You just line up early. And we got there like an hour or so early and waited and end up getting a pretty good pew. And it was a, it was a fun show. We're doing this again in the summer, Rob, because now I'm thinking about like nags. I can make a list. Yeah. Yeah, There's so many, like we got, (laughs) there's so many good, yeah, we got to make a list and and really think about this, but thank you to everybody who sent us topics. Um, I will note tonight, Jamie Duke blog, Michael one clutch. We need to have Michael one clutch for a whole show this summer. Yeah. Michael might be the overtime producer. He sends good suggestions all the time. time. Yeah. A trip. We got yours, Tim, uh, everybody. So we thank you to everybody who sent them in. Um, we'll be coming back to these. We may not even have to solicit them for quite a few weeks now because these were all really good ones tonight. So Rob, this was a really fun week. And I don't know, we, we can't give advice to JMU fans, but enjoy it. They're playing at Sunday at six o'clock. Like this is a fun weekend. I, I said, I'm a little worried, right? Students are going into finals. They're kind of leaving for the semester. We knew this was going to be a thing in the spring season. People are worried about it's the always fans. something with the playoffs. It's always something that, with the playoffs. The one thing I'll say, Rob, is you and I, I, I think a lot of our friends 
who don't have any, you know, financial or hobby interest in this like we do, um, are just kind of waking up to the season. And it's really cool that this is a Sunday at six o'clock game. Most, I would say, like, you know, ninety percent of even casual JMU fans are going to be able to watch this Sunday. You know, and that's cool. I and, see all the downsides in terms of crowd and home field advantage. Yeah. But I see a lot of upsides for all the reasons you're saying. For most of us, Saturdays are tough. Yeah. Saturdays in the fall, you kind of build in your routine and maybe you plan a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. around soccer games or anything. Saturdays in the spring, you don't plan for this. And so it's been it's been difficult to watch all the games. Just well, and I also there. think it's really, I mean, you, you know, Rob, you're a parent. I mean, so many of our friends who are parents right now of like school age kids, these kids have been starved for activities. Yeah because of COVID for the last year. And now they're finally back up to speed, like really ramped up to whatever their soccer, baseball, lacrosse, you know, heading, you know, they're really, you've got games all weekend, right? Dreek has games all weekend. Our friends that have kids are like, and you can't just bail on that when the kid hasn't played in eight months, you know, like. And then people, people don't have kids. I mean, we've been sitting inside for the past year. People want to get the hell out. So if it's a nice day on a Saturday, as much as people love the Dukes, Mm -hmm. I don't blame anybody if they decide they'd rather go for a hike or go fishing or ride their bike. Sunday at six o'clock, that's kind of wind down time. Maybe, you know, fire up the grill, have a beer, sit there and watch the game. It it actually, it's different. Mm -hmm. Everything about this spring is different, Mm -hmm. but this is different good, I think, versus just being different weird. I do too. Like the rest of the spring. Yeah. And, And if they win this week, the following weekend would be on Saturday, so not on Mother's Day, and it, they will either play early or late. I mean, there's a, I think there's a noon or two p.m. game depending on who's in it, and an eight p.m. game that Saturday for the semis. So, and those are going to be on ones on ABC. Uh, so, like, really fun. The others on ESPN. So, you know, this could build into something. Yeah, so, and the other thing about it, like when you head into this weekend, like hardcore football heads we'll know what's going on with these teams. You know, like the the really college football Twitter already has this stuff circled, but I think even the casual fans, there's no pretenders left in here. And there's not only no pretenders. These are all pretty recognizable names. If you're a casual football fan, nobody's let's be honest. Nobody's going to confuse Jamie and Ohio state. But if you're a real college football fan who appreciates the sport, you know, who Sam Houston state is, you know, JMU, you know, South Dakota state. These are good programs. This, this is something like, if you like football, this is worth tuning in. Cause it's like, okay, these are, these are the good teams. These are the good matchups. There's, we're not expecting any big blowouts this weekend and you're going to see some good football games. No, I mean, I actually, I looked, I mean, JMU side of the bracket at this point, there is none of the four teams. So this is NDSU goes to Sam Houston at three o'clock on ESPN, big ESPN on Sunday. And then that's followed by North Dakota coming to JMU. Like North Dakota, you know, weirdly is the newest name on the block of those four. Yeah. But none of those four teams would surprise me to go to Frisco or, or win the whole thing. Right. I mean, any one of those four teams are absolutely capable. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't even include the number one seed in the whole tournament. Who's on the other side of the bracket. Plus, oh, by the way, like Delaware and Jacksonville State, two, yeah. you know, storied programs. I mean, SIU is probably the only team left in the field who you'd think would be a true surprise winner in Frisco, and yet they pummeled NDSU to start the season. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, exactly. It, this is really good. Yeah, this is a 
this quarterfinals is a fantastic collection of FCS names and it's going to be fun to watch. I, I, and Rob, we talked about this before. I just hope, I mean, I, I'm going to try to be, you know, positive one way or the other, but Jamie wins this week, successful spring. You know, I mean, we talked about this a while back. Like if they could get to the semis, this, you know, this is the game that would surprise me. This would not be a loss to West Virginia or NDSU if they lose this weekend. They're only two and a half point favorites, which actually means that, you know, I don't know what it means in terms of home field. I don't know how many points they're giving for home field when there's no home field really. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting time. And man, I mean, one way or the other, either if Jamie wins this week, they're either going to Sam Houston where I don't think Jamie's ever been and would be, but is a known commodity for sure mm-hmm. to play Voldemort Keeler, right. Or, <laughs> or they're hosting the bison. So that's an ABC game right there. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It mm. is interesting though, because I, I just, I, we, we should wrap this up, but I'm curious, like, do you think you feel better about Jamie in the fall after what we've seen this spring or are you concerned? Like, Yes, I feel better about them in the fall. It's weird. Cause I don't know. I mean, obviously Delaware has, taken a step forward as a program and it's unclear how other CAA schools, right? I think Richmond took a little bit of a step forward as a program this spring. It's unclear to me, you know, where do things stand with New Hampshire? Where do things stand with Villanova? It's really hard to make Island. Right. uh, Like it's hard to make big pronouncements about Jamie's place in the world. I think generally, though, I feel pretty good. I mean, I, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to have Fournaddle. It doesn't seem like they're going to have Truville Wilson. But I think everybody else is potentially coming back. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think there's going to be some interesting decisions to be made. But we're still going to have the same question at quarterback probably this summer. But I don't think that changes the fact that JMU is a absolute behemoth. <laughs> and I will say that I, what you wrote in your piece this week, Rob, we JMU, they replaced a ton going yeah. back to last season. And then they lost Adib and Amos to COVID transfers. Like this was a weird year. And I think this was kind of a good ramp up for an otherwise inexperienced group. To where I do feel better going into the fall. No, I I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. I and mean, it's for what you just said. Like there were a lot of question marks and we don't want to talk about rebuilding and, oh, we just plug them in. But the reality is Jamie had to replace a ton. And from what we've seen, this is going to sound weird, but because we've seen them struggle uh-huh. so much and we've, and we've seen them kind of not be the JMU that we're expected to do, they're still winning, yep. but they have struggled. It's been more difficult than we anticipated. That has made me actually, in hindsight, value the spring season more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a leg up. I think rather than taking our lumps and maybe dropping a CA game we shouldn't next mm-hmm. year, I think Jamie's going to be more prepared going into it. I do think that the overall level of the play in the conference has risen where we can no longer set the bar at 8-0 and 
right. or else it's like alarms going off. Um, you know, when Signetti took the job, he was pretty vocal about the fact that, you know, Jamie lost what three games or four games of the year. He's like, this program shouldn't be doing that. I agree. They shouldn't, but I don't think Jamie's going to go undefeated in the CA every year. Like, right. like we got accustomed to. Um, I'm not, I'm not convinced Delaware is completely back. I think they're good, but for all the talk about how down this, the CAA South was Delaware ended up only beating a, one team with a winning record. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That I, I, that's what's hard to say is what it, it's tough to judge. I feel better about JMU. I don't know how to judge the, everything else from this spring. I don't either. I just, right. I think there's value. And I think what we showed is JMU probably wasn't ready Mm-hmm. to go into a full campaign next fall without some serious reps. They got some serious reps and then some. Yeah. And they've thus far gone undefeated. So I feel pretty good about developing the habits for winning, identifying areas they've got to get better, and there are clearly some areas they got to get better, and also maybe uncovering some some real weapons we didn't know we had. Well, that's Wells, what, Jr. Yeah, is, I mean, Wells, Wells Jr. is a stud. Is a stud. Thornton's a stud. Yeah, those Thornton's guys are a good. stud. Yeah. Um, um, Keon Black is a stud. Yeah. You know, we've got some serious talent to work with. Well, and, and can we keep everyone this summer? Like, that's the question. Like, so I think, you know, for example, on the offensive line, I think Gillespie is coming back again when we thought we might lose him before the spring season. Mm-hmm. And so that's another like building block up there. We've seen some great play out of Cole Potts at right tackle, a true freshman that we didn't know. And can you give me back? Like, do I, do we get back Jalen green or Isaac Ukwu on the defensive line this fall? Yeah. I don't know, you know, but yeah. if you, we just said we start, we earlier in the show, we talked about how D line was the biggest question mark on the team and give me back those two guys. <laughs> <laughs> and like, give me back oh, one of those two guys and let's play it again. I think Mike Green's coming back in the fall. Like, yeah. let's do this. Wayne Davis is coming back in the fall. Like, you know? So as iffy as I've been on the spring, right. I'm going to be so all in on the fall. I think it's just going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think... Well, I also love we're going to Weber. Yeah. Right? We're, we're playing a... I, 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 I don't, we'll get to this when the season's over. And I don't know the schedule. But I think they're going to... I mean, I know they're going to Ogden. Or at least they're scheduled to go to Ogden to play Weber next year. I don't know what that means or doesn't mean, but it, you know, it's going to be a fun year and it will be it really will. fun to pl- like you said, to play Delaware, to play Villanova, to play New Hampshire again will mean something. And to play them in Bridgeforth with a full stadium will be fantastic. You know, I want to see, I want to see Andy and I want to see our crew like cooking oysters in the parking lot. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, so, yeah. CAA, I don't think JMU fans are the only ones down on the CAA. So it would be nice if kind of the absence makes the heart go fonder in terms of the rivalries between the teams. Forget about the league, but to see people actually realize how fun it is to get pumped up for a Delaware game yeah. or pumped up for a Villanova game. So um, I don't know. It's exciting, but I, I really feel better. And I was not necessarily in favor of playing this spring. I didn't understand it at the time we were starting. I thought it was very iffy, but after what I've seen, like, I hope they win on Sunday. I think they can win. Like you, I think if they get past that, I will put a stake in the ground and say season absolute a success. But even if they don't, I see a lot of value in what they've done so far and, and mm-hmm. how it sets them up to be better in the fall. I do too. I I, uh, I just hope we see them play well on Sunday. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I they could play. This is the first game this season that I felt like they could play well and lose. You know, last week against VMI, I felt like if JMU played well, they were going to win. This week, they could play well and lose. 
I still think if they play, you know, anything close to an A game, JMU wins this week. And then we'll deal and with JMU the rest. And JMU has won with some C games this year. That's what I mean. They've won with some C yeah. games. And this week, I think they're going to need a B plus or better to win. And they could still lose with a A minus. But I think, I feel like they, you wrote this this week. I don't think we've seen them at their best. No. We, we saw a real attitude in the William & Mary game. We saw J, a JMU team say, we're JMU and we're ready to play again, no matter who's available or unavailable for us. Yeah. We saw them kind of reestablish themselves in the spring season. And then we saw them play a, a pretty solid game against Richmond. I think a really well coached game where they did enough. And then this past week we saw them survive in advance in a playoff game. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what comes up this week. Yep. So anyways, Rob, it's great to talk to you. I will talk to you next week, win or lose. Uh, hopefully we will be looking forward to, I mean, best case scenario, we're looking forward to a home matchup with NDSU. Yeah. Uh, you know, second best, we're looking forward to a fantastic road trip to where the hell is Sam Houston? I don't know. Somewhere in East Houston? Texas. No, no, no. It's East Texas somewhere. So we'll, we'll get there next week. And then, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're not coming off a loss. But this is a big one this week. North Dakota is really good. They're capable of winning the title uh, from everything we've seen this year. I, I'm starting to get more confident at JMU. They win this week. Yeah, you were. It'll be fun the, to. The text I, I was on Saturday. I, what I saw much. Saturday was a team that did not was not incredibly well disciplined and did not play their A game, coaching or playing, but still kind of dominated the game where it really mattered. And that well, felt like the a, first time this season that I was like, "Oh, this team can win it. Not not win this week. They can win the whole thing." Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody's talking about how JMU has a talent advantage over most of its opponents, and they do. But Jamie is still not playing with its top talents. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Amos and, and Adib. And yeah. Something. There's something to be said for that. Like, when you don't have all your guns, can you still get it done? And, mm-hmm. you know, our twos are better than your ones, blah, 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 blah. But this team's more of a grinder than any JMU team of recent memory. Mm-hmm. It's not just kind of, you know, roll the balls out there and let the talent take care of itself. They need to do some things well. And when they don't play mistake-free football, the games are closer than we want but they still keep getting it done. That's what I keep going back to. Yeah, and I think the they swag just, is coming back a little bit. They seem very resilient. I, I do think mm-hmm. the swag is coming back a little bit. Like, you know, there was a frustration from... By the way, that's FCS officiating. Come on. That mm. call on Q Reed, like, just let a guy make a tackle. Like, what's he supposed to do? Like, the guy wasn't over the line on that touchdown. Like, come on. But, um, yeah, just... I start... Uh, I don't know... I think the team is starting to realize guys like MJ Hampton, Q Reed, those are the kind of guys that like, oh, we're really good. And we're we're allowed to be not arrogant, but just, you know, confident on the field to play with that, play free. You know, I, I think when they lost all the guys they lost to transfer or to injury, especially on defense, there were a lot of guys who like, they are. They could be really good, but they were. I, I don't think they've done it enough to feel like I can just run around and do whatever I want. And now we're starting to see some guys. I mean, the, the McCormick and Carroll performances at corner these last couple of weeks. We're starting to see like, oh yeah, you you you're in the footsteps of Rashad Robinson and Jimmy Moreland yeah. and these guys. Go play, you know, <laughs> like go have fun. So, but it's different than like 
the the first half of the 2016 team when guys were just freelance and doing whatever they want. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it was guys. Are, no, this, it's different than that. It's Heatherman guys more a like monster. Sorry. I, yeah. How did I leave this for like an hour into the podcast? Heatherman is incredible. The defensive coordinator. Yeah. They are so smart. So, yeah. So so guys are stepping up and being more comfortable in their role to go out there and take chances and make plays, but it's still more within the context of the system mm-hmm. than some of the older JMU teams where it was just guys like being like, I'm just going to outrun you. And I, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's not repeatable. Like these, these guys are just, they're gaining more confidence to make the plays. Carol's interception, for instance, you know, to hang back, to have the confidence to be like, I'm not going to run back there and defend it. I'm going to stay here. Five yard with the ball, wait till he throws it and then go back and make the pass. Yeah. That shows an acceptance of the system and a certain confidence that like, Hey, I can do this. The, the, the safer route would have been, oh, I'm just going to go back and double them and, and make, make it so that the pass is not completed. Mm-hmm. The more confident thing is, Hey, I know my guys got him back there, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hang back. I'm going to bait the quarterback into throwing it. And then I'm going to break on the ball, take four steps back and pick it off. Yep. You know, that that's a little bit different mm-hmm. than, than you'd see with less experienced players. And yeah. I think that's the sort of growth you're talking about. Yeah, I think so. It's just exciting to see. And the, yeah, there's just, and I, I keep hoping, I, I think the D line has talent. It's just, these were guys that didn't expect to be in these prominent roles quite yet. And they've all been forced into them. And I think they're starting yeah. to grow into them. Because one thing that every coach who's ever played JMU, including Signetti as an opposing coach, in the last five or six years, really the last 15 years has said, is this team has bottomless talent. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they, they're, there's a lot of good athletes out there and mm-hmm. they just need to be focused. And we'll see. This is their first real chance. This, is, this weekend is the first real chance to prove it. And man, do I want JMU to beat a Valley team. I wouldn't mind Delaware even beating Jacksonville state this week either. So, Oh, I'd love it. Yeah. So uh, let's I'd get... love it. I'm, I'm not a huge, like wave the flag or, or cheer for, you I'm know, just tired I, I don't of the take Valley a lot right of now. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I root, I root for CA teams in the NCAA tournament because it means money in Jamie's coffers. And I do have a little bit of conference pride when it comes to the playoffs because I'm so sick of everybody knocking knocking the league. Yeah, well, this week, and, I mean, there's so much. I mean, everybody was saying, well, the Valley won four, you know, four Valley teams are in the quarters and the only one who lost, lost to another Valley team. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they also had, they're the only ones who had that opportunity. Like JMU and Delaware are in the quarters. They're the only two teams yeah. that got in. If Richmond was in this week, do you think they, I, I don't know, right? I mean, it's just those, you tell the, me, the, the right? Ridiculous hypothetical. I no. also was very, I don't know if I was amused or frustrated by all of these people on Twitter who all year have been talking about how VMI is so much better than JMU and VMI is the best team in, in the state. Oh. Forget about the CA. And then when people are like, all right, Jamie beats VMI and Jamie fans are excited. They're like, like oh, look at you guys bragging about this. Oh, getting all excited about beating little old VMI. I'm like, little, what is, you can't have it both ways. Right. If you're going to say they're the best team in the state, then give Jamie some, you know, put some respect yes. on Jamie's name <laughs> yes, when they yes. beat him. And I, I thought you were wrong. I didn't think they were the best team in the state. I think Jamie proved it, yep. but it's like, hey, you can't have it both ways. Like those are the type of people who could never lose any argument because they just changed whatever they were arguing about after the fact. Yeah. So it was, it was <laughs> humorous and also annoying. That was one of those things where like I, my role is like, just don't reply to the trolls. I know. I just don't engage. But there are a couple people online. And I was like, ah. <laughs> you, you get the itchy figure. Like I, I really want to reply to like, what's up yeah, now? Yeah. yeah you you want to go back and dig up old tweets and be like, 
aren't you the the same you know man or woman who was saying this all year and oh. you just don't you walk away and i don't know go shoot some hoops or do something cool off. well those of you who stuck with us the last 15 minutes you are the true blue jamie sports blog podcast fans um and we will be looking forward to talking with a few of you next week rob um looking forward to it man and let's I don't know. We'll talk sometime. It'd be weird. We've got to turn this around from a Sunday to a Monday next week. We're going to have post game and pod all rolled into one here. Yeah, it's I, a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Of <laughs> JMUSB headquarters yeah. is, is uh, scrambling. Yes, here. Way yeah. too much. Way yeah. too much. <laughs> Head, headquarters are moving locations. So. Yeah. Oh. Well, Rob, I'll talk to you next week one way or the other. All right. Have a good one. All right. Go, Dukes. Hey